Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. My name is Matt Love. I am here with Pastor J.D. Greer, and this is the podcast where Pastor J.D. gives quick answers to some of your toughest theological, ethical, and leadership questions. And today we're asking J.D. a leadership question. So whether you're a business leader or a church leader or an organizational leader of any kind, or even just a disciple of Jesus who aims to fulfill the Great Commission by making disciples, um, this is a great question for you. So, JD, what are the most essential traits of a multiplying leader? Yeah, man, this is a good question because I think right now, even in the secular and the business world, it's clear that uh, the premium is placed on leaders who could multiply. Uh, a good leader, a great leader can lead an organization for a day, but I want leadership that outlasts me. I, I'm not here to build a dynasty to JD. I'm here to, to build a movement that, is, that started way before me and will go on, which means I'm not thinking about what I can accomplish as much as what you know I can raise up others who will accomplish things long after I am gone. It's interesting to see how in the last two or three decades that this has really been picked up on in the secular leadership world. There's a, a lady named Liz Wiseman who wrote an excellent book called Multipliers. Uh, she doesn't write as a Christian. If she is a Christian, she doesn't you know, say that in the book, but um, the concepts that she's given are, are very biblical. And she's explaining that the best leaders, the most valuable leaders are ones who, who leave in their wake um, a, a whole host of other uh, leaders. And she uses as her her kind of best example, one of her, her, her recurring examples, Jack Welch, who um, you know was the legendary CEO of um, Fortune 500 company GE. And he, uh, you know, during his prime, you could look out across, you know, the landscape of these Fortune 500 companies and a ridiculous number of them had as their chief executive, somebody who came off of Jack Welch's staff. And she basically says, you know, you might think, oh, well, he just couldn't keep talent, but it was the opposite. Uh, the opposite is that, that because leaders knew that Jack Welch would train them, empower them, and when it was time, release them to lead on their own, um, he had something that very few companies had, and that is a waiting list of highly qualified leaders who wanted to work for him. For every one that he gave away, there were several that appeared in in that leader's place. And so that's something we've embraced here at Summit is, is we just want to be multiplying. In fact, um, I've been saying our, uh, to our staff that for the next decade, I want our metric of success. I want our goalpost to be, we want to be the most multiplying church in America. I, I'm not as concerned about being the biggest or having the most resources, but, but we just, we want to multiply so that Every dimension of our church, whether it's the assistant youth pastor at the downtown Durham campus or our college ministry or our church planning and missionary um, kind of empowering um, agencies, we, we want to see every single person at the Summit Church reproducing themselves and multiplying. And let me just say real quick, maybe you're listening right now and you're like, J.D., I wouldn't really consider myself a church leader, so I'm not sure this even applies to me. I, I promise you it does uh, because the gospel teaches us to be disciple-making disciples. Whether you're a brand new Christian or a mature Christian, a stay-at-home mom or a, you know, somebody who's a senior adult, you and I are responsible to make not just a disciple, but a disciple-making disciple, a fisher of men. So I think this concept is vital. You just, how do I reproduce myself? That's the whole way the Great Commission goes forward. Let me just give you, I think this will be helpful, five kind of words that I've used with our team about, about what does it mean to be a multiplying leader? I give them all to you up front, and then I'll tell you what each one means really briefly. Clarity, familiarity, proximity, equity, and humility. Clarity means that in order for something to multiply, the vision has to be clear. They have to see what you see. There's a story I love to tell about um, a, a, a grandfather who's sitting on a porch and sitting next to his grandson, and 
he's out in the country and he's got like 10 dogs underneath the porch and all of a sudden one of them perks up lets out a single bark and then takes tears off across the field then all nine dogs other than him they all kind of rouse out of their slumber and they all tear off after that that first dog and the grandfather says to the grandson he said let me tell you what's about to happen in just a moment in about 10 minutes every one of those dogs is going to come back head hung down tongue out you know kind of drooping and they're going to take their place back under the porch and they're going to go back to sleep he said in about 30 minutes that first dog is going to come back and he's going to have a rabbit in his mouth he said you know what the difference was in that the dog who comes back in 30 minutes with the rabbit and the first nine dogs it's not that he's a better runner it's not that he's a better hunter it's that he's the only one that actually saw the rabbit and the other dogs were just barking and yapping because it seemed like a fun thing to do a lot of times in leadership people get excited because it's exciting to be excited but their tenacity doesn't last because they've never actually seen the rabbit and so um, in order to multiply, they have to see what you see. And that means a lot of times through stories and, and building a culture. One of the things I've learned by experience here at the Summit Church is something a mentor told me when I came. He said, pastors consistently overestimate what they can accomplish in five years and underestimate what they can accomplish in 20. And the difference between your five and your 20 is culture. It takes about five years to really build a culture in where people see what you see. And then they strive as hard as you do to go after it. And they quit coming back you know, dog tired and lay under the porch. Um, so clarity, they got to see it like you see it. Um, familiarity means you just got to be willing to repeat it just over and over again. I, I love how one leader says it. He's like, you know, vision leaks. A vision needs not just light, it needs heat. We typically think of vision as light. Let me just clarify for you what, but it also needs heat. You got to repeat it. We often say to our, our team here that when I'm sick of saying something, some value, some goal. When I'm sick of saying it, that means our staff team has just heard it for the first time. And when they're sick of hearing it, when they're like rolling their eyes, like, oh, here he goes again with the same thing. When they're sick of hearing it, that means our congregation has heard it for the first time. Vision leaks. It needs not just light. It needs heat. Proximity. Uh, by the way, I realize we could spend probably several sessions on each of these words. So this really is a flyby, but I hope hearing it all together, maybe that'll give you sort of a, just sort of a, get your mind around what it means to be a multiplying leader. Proximity, that's your third word, clarity, familiarity, proximity. Proximity means that people's lives only change when they see something modeled. Um, there's a story about Winston Churchill. I read in a biography that said that one of his greatest leadership liabilities was his great speaking ability. Now, that seems counterintuitive because why would a speaking ability be a liability? And the biographer pointed out that Churchill was so good at his speeches and he spent so much time on them that he thought once he'd given the perfect speech that the work was done. And he didn't do the hard work of being up close to people to help answer their questions and guide them through processes and teach them new patterns. The biographer that I was reading used Lyndon Johnson as the foil. He said Lyndon Johnson was a terrible public speaker, made your ears bleed when you were trying to listen to him. But... Lyndon Johnson looked at his addresses to the nation or the addresses to Congress as just like the introduction to a thousand one-on-one -on -one conversations he would have with people privately in his office. And, and that's where real leadership happened. It's, it's proximity. It's, it's just being around people. It's like not done from the stage. It's done, uh, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're walking side by side with people, this is really what discipleship is. Discipleship is less a class that you teach and more a life that you model. Uh, the best disciple makers in our church, it's our college ministry department, they say that 75% of discipleship is informal. It has less to do with the curriculum you're studying and, and more to do with the life you're observing. It's certainly that way my parents were brought to faith in Christ 50 years ago 
by a pastor who preached great sermons. But my dad, when we were going to this um, pastor's funeral, he said, you know, I can't really remember any of the sermons that man preached. But what I do remember is hearing him pray, watching him share Christ with people when we were at the grocery store together. And that man transferred his life to my dad, and that impacted him more than any of the sermons that he preached, as important as, as those are. Um, proximity, equity. Equity here is what I mean by this, transferred ownership. Um, this is probably stating the obvious, but when somebody feels like they own something, they're going to pour themselves into it. And so there's got to be a transfer to where it's like, hey, I'm not getting you to help me in this, but this is, I want you to own this, and I want you to take responsibility for it. I'm not trying to plant this church through you. Um, I'm here to, to help you and cheer you on, even for the ministries in our, our church. That they're not doing these ministries for me or for the church. This is I want them to see it as theirs. There's ownership. There's equity. And I'm here to, to facilitate them. When people feel that sense of ownership and that the buck stops with them, then there, there ends up being a lot uh, greater leadership capacity that comes out. Now, obviously, in a complex organization, there is a role that you've got a leader like me who has to keep everybody going the same direction, and sometimes that means saying no. But, but I still think even with that, you can, you can, you can transfer equity where people own their area of ministry and they're responsible for it. And my role is more like I'm more like a, a stagecoach. Uh, captain, you know, just trying to keep the horses in line and not trying to run through them. Um, the last one is humility. This is probably the biggest obstacle of all to being a multiplying leader because it means that really you give a lot of things away. Um, you know, for us, uh, raising up church planners and sending them out, that's rarely good, at least in the short run for your bottom line. Somebody asked me one time what the greatest hindrance was to Summit becoming a multiplying church. And my answer was, without any hesitation, me. Because, you know, when you give away some of your best leaders and some of your best resources, um, it hurts. I sometimes say our church feels like, you know, you're like you're trying to hug a parade. Uh, you're sending out some of the, the best people. And we say church planners are like teenagers. They want your money and your affirmation. And for you to leave them alone, it's, it's not good for your bottom line. But what happens is as you open your hands and say, Lord, this is not about the glory of my name or the size of the summit church. This is about your kingdom. What happens is it really just begins to multiply. You know, I, I can't remember who said it first, but um, if we were not concerned with who got credit, there is so much more effectiveness we would have in any ministry because it's just like, look, I, I remember the first time that we really sent out a bunch of people on church planting. And it felt like you, we were cutting off one of my arms. I, I'd preached it for like a year, and it preached so good about, let's let's do this, let's send out our best. And then when I heard who was going, and I was hearing the names of friends and key volunteers and key givers in the church, I, I had to actually, you know, while I was hearing all this, I had to open my, force my hands open. Nobody really knew what I was doing. But it was just, I was having a little moment with God by myself. I was forced my hands open and said, Lord, this is not my church. This is your church. And if you need to grow your kingdom by divesting this church of some of its best leaders and resources, then thy kingdom come, not my kingdom come. Um, and that was a, it, it was, it, it's still a struggle for me today because ministry is a great place for guys with the idol of success to hide because you can cloak your service of the gods of success and reputation in the language of I'm doing this for God when really you're doing it for you. And I, you know, I had to, I have to die to myself and say, um, this really ultimately isn't about my comfort or my kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. And so humility is necessary to see um, a multiplying movement happen. So, you know, that's just, yeah, about as short as I can get it of why 
being a multiplying leader is a, being a leader for tomorrow. Um, and also really what are the essential elements of being a multiplying leader? You know, if it's helpful, I wrote a whole book called gaining by losing in which I unpack what this looks like in the church world. But, you know, I think there's a lot of principles in there that will transfer to really to any context of how you lead in a way that's focused not on your dynasty, but on a legacy that, that long outlasts the leadership you give at any particular place. Thank you so much for joining us today for Ask Me Anything. If you like our podcast, we would really, really, really love it if you would briefly rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, all kinds of places, so that others can enjoy it as well. It is really one of the most helpful things you can do. If you enjoy this, chances are someone else is going to enjoy it. So go ahead and give us a rating and a review. And also make sure you're subscribed so you get all our new episodes directly on your device. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Ask Me Anything.